Welcome to Life Class. This is Reverend Kojo, and I'm so happy you decided to join us. Today's topic is a topic that I've kind of subscribed to for a long time, and here it is. You must be present to win. Yeah, you heard me right. Must be present to win, and no, this is not a gimmick, and it's not the lottery. We're talking about your life and the people with, that are involved in your life. Are you excited? Because I'm excited. Here we go. Let's join the conversation. So here's what I believe. I believe that you have to be present to win. And, and that's kind of this ultimate juggling act that you've kind of got to perfect. But one thing that my mom taught me as a kid is that you have to be balanced. Um, being extremely good in one area but being deficient in another does not make you successful at life. It makes you successful in that one area, you know, but it doesn't make you successful at life. Growing up, I was one of the youngest people to obtain a black belt in the uh, martial art, art of karate. I think I was the youngest in the state at the time, and a lot of people were seeking me out. I was winning competitions. I was great at guitar. I could spar people twice and triple my size, and I could hold my own. Um, I was really, really gifted, and on top of that, I was really smart. But I really struggled when it came to making friends. If I had a friend, it was because the friend chose to be my friend or I decided that I was going to hire them to be part of my many uh, business ventures that I embarked on as a kid. I was not good at this thing called friendship. And so but that didn't make me good at being a kid because kids play. Kids spend time with other kids, and even though I was like hyper successful at this thing called karate, and I could hold my own, and nobody was gonna pick on me because they knew that I was really good at success. I was really good at karate, and by the time I was in the third grade, I had a black belt. Like that was cool and everything, but in reality, that didn't mean a whole lot because. I didn't have any friends. And so that, that kind of stunted me in like the way that I grew. So my dad would go on a lot of the field trips when we grew up and he would always be like, well, don't you want to go sit with him? No, I'm going to sit with you. Well, you know, you, you can go play. No, I'm going to be with you. And it wasn't that I was adverse to children. I just liked adults more. But I, I had to grow out of that because in reality, when you always associate with people older than you, those older people are going to move on to something new and you're left holding the bag and you have to kind of start over again. And so even though I was really good at karate and people really wanted to seek me out, and I was really smart and adults, you know, were kind of blown away at how intelligent I was as a kid. I was still deficient. Now, you fast forward to this thing called uh, teenage and early adulthood and all of that good stuff. And then you imagine this. You're hyper successful at other things. Uh, maybe you have a following and a blog following and you have a podcast following and, and people are calling you to come speak all over the place. Uh, but then you become deficient at relationship because the friendship thing was kind of weak. And so when it comes to building romantic relationship, I'm sometimes deficient and I'm, I'm miles and miles better than where I was, but I'm sometimes deficient because the way that I've communicated is above what they are used to communicating. And so I'm used to, okay, this is what it is and this is what it isn't. And I have not assimilated to the times of the people who are my age. I can't go date somebody that's 40, 50 years old because that's incredibly taboo. And that's probably not a good idea as far as growth goes. Um, but the reality of it is that when we don't only nurture the things that are thriving, the things that are not thriving end up worse off than anything else. See, it's okay not to nurture something that's just okay. It's so, and I, and I don't recommend it. I, I think you should nurture all portions of yourself. It's okay not to nurture something that you're phenomenal at, uh, because you'll still be phenomenal. You may not be the best, but you'll still be phenomenal. But when we don't nurture our trouble areas, 
we find ourselves in a situation where we become deficient and that thing begins to hold us back. And nobody likes to be held back, especially in kindergarten. That's why they push kids through nowadays. They push kids through because the belief is that if you push them through, they'll get it next time. When really you've just voided this kid of a foundation. And so even if they do understand the next level, the foundation is not there and and the, the things that you're building on will begin to crumble. That's a problem. So that's the first portion of what I, when I say what it means to be present to win. But the second portion is you've literally got to be present. When, when I say you've got to be present, you've got to make some sacrifices to succeed. I know this guy, and I, and I really I tell this story over and over again. I've actually told the story in Pregnant with Possibility. But I know this guy who is a really successful uh, businessman. He travels the world all the time to sell, sell business deals. Well, there's this one time his company was going to send him out to Hawaii, and they were going to let, allow him to stay a couple of extra days because it was Hawaii. Uh, but he went out to Hawaii. He flew out. He sealed the business deal and then hopped on a red eye back to Birmingham. And everybody was like, why did you do that? You had like five more days you could have stayed. The company was going to pay for it. You could have lived in paradise. And his answer was simple. My child had a recital the next day, and you have to be present to win. So my kid is going to rem- not going to remember that daddy was in Hawaii. My kid is going to remember that daddy's not there. And so he decided when he had kids that he was going to put them first. And putting them first was going to sign the business deal so that he could put bread on the table, but putting them first was also being there when it counted. You know, I look at my dad, and, and I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big daddy fan, but I look at my dad— and my dad will take off work just to come hear me preach. Now, I have been preaching for years, and I've been speaking and teaching the Word of God for a long time. But my dad will take off work to hear me pre- just because I'm preaching. You know, it's not that he hasn't heard me a lot of times. It's not that he doesn't know that I'm gifted. It's not that, that there's anything adverse to that. My dad knows that there's nothing like seeing your parent in the audience. And because of that, and because he loves me the way that he does, he will take off work. He will miss money just to support me. He does the same thing for my sister. Um, he does the same thing. He'll, he'll, go, he'll go all the way to Tuscaloosa just to see Aaron give a presentation to 10 people on Valentine's Day. And, and, and this is, the, the, now dads, this is something you can take a key from. On Valentine's Day, for se- several years, I didn't have a Valentine. And so my dad would drive two hours to eat lunch with me on Valentine's Day just because, just so I wouldn't have to eat alone. You know, he would, he would drive all that way and all that time just so I wouldn't have to eat alone because he loved me just that much. And then he would go back home and he would take my sister to an, er, to an early dinner. Yeah, he would, he would take her to an early dinner around 4 o'clock in the evening right after she got out of school. Only to turn around that after he's left the early dinner and he's brought my sister home to take my mom out because that's, that's his first Valentine. He goes above and beyond not to be a show-off and to tell people because rarely does he tell people about the things that he does, but he does these things because he loves us and he understands that you, in order to be a good dad, you've got to be present. In order to be a, somebody worth talking about, you've got to do the work, and sometimes that means sacrificing. You know, one of the things that I do is I, I live two hours away from the, the church that I preach at, 
And I've got all of these kids who look to me who are excited to hear me preach week in and week out. And I, I do have membership in a fellowship that's local just in case I can't make it. But I make that drive almost every weekend because those kids need me to feed them. Not because I'm going to get fame or fortune from speaking to 50 kids on Sunday, no. Not because I'm going to get any, like I'm going to get paid any more or any less to speak to these kids on Sunday, but because these kids need to hear from me. They need to hear what God has given me throughout the week to help them move on their next day. I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to meet God where he is so that I can have a word ready for these kids to send them through our mass text every morning. 5 o'clock in the morning, they get a mass text from me, hopefully inspired by God. Not for fame, not for fortune, not for my benefit, but because these kids are just that important to me that I take the time out of my day to feed them. So what is it in your life? Sometimes in our lives we think that we, we, it's about me. So because it's about me, I'm going to do what I need. And so some of it, we've got to take some time aside and do that. But in reality, God is not really concerned that we be con- obsessed with vanity. He's not really concerned that we would find uh, meaning or fulfillment in doing things for us, but that rather we would do for others. There's a scripture like people like to use in church for offering, and he says, Give and it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Would men give into your bosom? A lot of people think that the blessing that you get from giving to other people comes straight from God. And it, it comes from God, but God often uses it by way of people because he understands that so, seed sowing is a circular pro- process. Now, what sickly, yeah, sickly is circular and cyclical uh, process. But here's the thing about it. If I give to you, I've not only planted the seed that I've given to you, but I've planted a seed of kindness in you. So not only will the money or the things that I give you greatly enrich your life, the fact that I was kind to you, the fact that I showed up for you, the fact that I do things for you will be planted in you so other people will take it that and take it and upon themselves to do great things for you. Now, if I give begrudgingly, now what that means, if I give and I don't want to give and I complain about it and I remind you all the time, you remember that time I had to give you this stuff? Do you remember the time when I had to get off my job and do these things for you? That doesn't plant a seed of kindness. That makes you feel guilty for asking. That makes you feel guilty for assuming that this person cared about your well-being or assuming that this person wanted to see you do well or assuming that the things that you thought were good were were good. It It doesn't do the good. So when you do something kind and you don't throw it in a person's face, you plant seeds of kindness. We know that kindness is a fruit of the spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, kindness. When you plant kindness... Kindness, it grows like a wildfire. Fruits of the Spirit means that it came from a seed that was planted. So if you're planted, it creates fruit. If a tree produces fruit, we know it's healthy. If it doesn't produce fruit, we know it's not healthy. And so the good thing about this situation is that when you do good for others and you do it from the goodness of your heart, you plant goodness and more goodness walks around the earth. But here's the other, here's the other portion. And I'm, I promise you, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tie this thing together. But when you commit to being present to win, when you commit to being present in the people's lives that you care about, those people are more likely to be present in your life. 
Or as a parent, when you commit to being present in the lives of your children, your children are going to be commit to being present in the lives of their children. When your their children are commit to being present in the lives of their children, then you have generational blessing and generational soundness. A lot of times we think that because we sow in our kids' lives financially or through gifts or through all of these other things, we don't realize that we are missing the boat. Our kids need us present. They need us to show up and show out and to be consistent. Show up and be a good influence. Show up and do for them. But make sure that you show up and that you cheer. You're cheering and rooting them on when they're right because when they're wrong, they will not receive the discipline from somebody who can't see them when they're right. They'll just assume that, oh, I've just messed up over and over again. I must be nothing. But when it comes from somebody who they know loves them, and I must remind you that love is indeed what it does. Love is completely what it does. And so when you understand that love is what it does, love shows up. Love is there when they have a recital. In relationships, you must be present to win. You know, and being present isn't always in the flesh because I believe that long distance relationship can work temporarily. I don't think you need to have a marriage and be married for 30 years and not live in the same house. I don't believe that is the intent of marriage. But I think long distance relationship can work when both people feel like the other one is, is present in the relationship. Maybe not present in my face. Maybe not present in my arms, maybe not present in my car or in my home, but present in the relationship. In other words, you must be committed to making sure that this person is confident that you're there. What do I mean by that? That's that's setting aside a time, setting aside a time to FaceTime or to talk on the phone. That's setting aside, that's doing the random stuff, sending the flowers, the favorite flowers uh, on a random day, not because you've been told to, but because you just had them on your mind. That's sending the random text messages. And if you're like me, that's like sending a handwritten letter. I know that's old school, but you want to touch a woman? You want to touch? Maybe not a man. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it depends. It depends. You want to you touch their heart? Write a letter. Send a letter. Handwrite it. Take the time to make sure it's legible and it's been thought out and it's methodical. Send the letter, send the text message, send the flowers. Do these things unprogrammed, so not every Monday. You know, if that's your thing, do one thing that's programmed. You know, every Monday I'm thinking about you. But, but do some of the things that, that are out of spontaneity. Because you know, the things that are out of spontaneity convince them that you're there. And another thing is not to threaten to leave because you're angry. You know, one thing that will ruin a relationship quicker is the belief that the other person is not committed. Because if I'm convinced that you're not committed, if I'm convinced that you're not, you're not there and we're not in this together, I'm, I'm inclined to put less in. And then you'll be inclined to put less in. And before you know it, nobody's putting anything into this relationship. And you're wondering what happened what went wrong? Why? How did we get here? We were so in love at first. We were so in love. We, we loved each other. I, I kissed the ground that they walked on. Why is it that our relationship is failing? You've got to be present. And that's present in the space. That's present emotionally. That's present mentally. That's present spiritually. Yes, spiritually. You've got to cover your person in prayer. <laughs> 
you know, if we're talking about your kids, I surely hope you're covering your, your children in prayer. If we're talking about a friendship, I sure hope you're covering your friends in prayer. If you're talking about a, a, a romantic relationship, I sure hope that you're, you're covering them in prayer. You got to be for that for, for people spiritually because you never know what they're really fighting. And we know the Bible says we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against kingdoms and principalities. We're fighting this thing. Life is spiritual. You see the physical, but this is so much more to this thing spiritually. And so if you say you love somebody and you say you're there for somebody, you ought to be praying for them. Because if you're not praying for them, are you really there for them? Are you really present in the relationship? Being there emotionally means that you're available to hear what they say. Even if what they say cuts you, it's being vulnerable in the place. It's being vulnerable in spaces. It's saying, look, I'm here. Let me share in your load. If they're hurting, that's you hurting, empathizing with them, but being strong for them. If they're happy, that's being happy for them that they got what they've been hoping and dreaming for. Being there physically, well, you know what that means. It means standing there, I'm here. But being there physically means that you have to be there mentally. It, 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 goes, it goes a little way to be there physically, but if you're there physically and absent mentally, you've done no good. Sitting there, texting on the phone, and you've got somebody sitting on front of, in front of you is rude. It's rude. It's rude, and it's a sign of disrespect. It says, I'm, you're not important. The people on Instagram, the people I'm texting, the people on Twitter, the people on Facebook, the people in, 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 on Tinder, the people in my phone, the people that are miles away are more important than this person sitting in front of me that I say that I love. I know that the news is happening. Oh, the people that, that are halfway across the world are more important to, than you. Live in it. I know that we have been trained that these, this phone thing is part of our generation is what we've been taught to do is what we do. And we, we seem to be tied to these, these devices on our hips. But the reality is that they will ruin your relationships. If you allow them, you're not present. If you're on your phone and it's hard, it's hard that phone vibrate and the conversation ain't that great. You look at the phone you're like, Ooh, wait a minute. Who is this? But the reality is that if the person in front of you is important, let them be important. If the person in front of you is before you, let them be present. Be present. Put the phone down. Yes, the phone rings. It's mom and daddy. Mom and daddy are old, ill, ailing across the country. Pick up the phone. But, hey, if they just want to talk, hey, mom, I love you, but I'm sitting in front of somebody and I'm being rude. I'm good for it. I do it all the time. I'm telling you, if you want to grow good relationships, you must be present to win. You want to be important in the lives of your children? Be present. Be present. Be present. And once you start being present physically, mentally, and emotionally, watch things shift and change and turn beautiful in your life. But I'm telling you, you've got to be present if you want to win. Okay? And there's a thing about being present. Being present will open doors that you didn't know were available to you because you've been drowned in the distractions of life. Don't get distracted by the things that were designed to distract you. Be present. All right, I'm so glad you decided to join us today. Do not forget to check out ReverendKojo.com. There are so many great things, so many great resources out there. If you want to keep up with me, that's how you do it. I promise you, if you want to keep up, that is how you do it. Now... Don't miss this. Pregnant with Possibility is for you. It is a book. God blessed it. God blessed me while I was writing it. You don't want to miss it. 
pregnant with possibility. I'm telling you, it blessed me while I was writing it. It'll bless you. Y'all be blessed.